and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we are going back to the sewers that aren't sewers for part two of Back to the sewer. I like that. So, this week, we're going to get right into it because here's a peek behind the curtain. It's been less than 24 hours since last you heard from us. Well, also, for us, um, also, we just did a really extensive and detailed review of part one. Right. And part one was kind of rolling everything uphill, and part two is sort of rolling everything well, everybody down. Well, yeah, everything down. So it down picks down. up a lot of momentum as it goes. Yeah. Well, I just mean we're not going to give a detailed description no. of our week, because it has not been a week. Sorry, I'll, everybody. I'll give if... you a detailed description of my week. Last night, I recorded a program with you. Yes. And today, I'm recording a program with you. Uh-huh. So, and tomorrow, we might be recording another program. So, we're doing great. Mm, really? I know. I didn't know about this, but anyways. Or we could be doing it tonight, later on. Later, after steak. (gasps) Steak dinner, we're going to have steak dinner. Yes, so it's going to be a good evening. Right, it's going to be good. So we're going to talk about it. All right. It, part two. Part two. The adults and some kids. There are, the kids do come back in The kids do come back and they're really cleverly included into the film. And I hope that the new It has the same sort of... uh, the same sort of uh, intelligent way of combi- combining the two elements. All right. So, we're in, we're firmly in 1990 now. Everybody's together. They, they've all traveled back to Derry. They sh- sort of show up one by one. Mm-hmm. And the first one to show up is, I think, our hero, right? Right. Well, nominal hero, because I think that... I mean... This is an interesting program in that it has several leads. Yeah. It, I think they mm. want to focus on Bill. Why? Because Bill is the horror writer, so right. he's our he's our Stephen King in Surrogate. the film. Right. Why isn't Stephen King in this movie? Anyways. I expected him to be in. I wanted I really him to be the uh, jump scare hobo that shows up at one point in the film. Yeah. I shouldn't use the word hobo, but having seen... Uh, I do like that guy, though. I'm not going to hurt you. I don't even know you. <laughs> I'm like... Wow, look at this naive motherfucker. <laughs> you only hurt people that you love. Which is what Beverly learned. Yeah, well. So, um, as they're coming into Derry, they're each getting pushed on. They're mm-hmm. getting tried. Uh, Richie, I think, might get it the worst. Right. Uh, he goes to the library, which fills with blood-filled balloons, and Pennywise is there yelling at him and making hell's a noise. Right. So he looks like a loon as he's, like, trying to talk over him. So he's screaming at this librarian saying, mm-hmm. Tell Mike Hanlon I'll meet right. him tonight. <laughs> like he's just yelling in this library, and she's like, What the fuck is wrong now, with in you? Terms of, in terms of practical effects... I really liked the floating balloons that explode blood in people's faces. Yes. As a practical effect, I thought it was cool. Right. As a thing that is scary, I thought it was not. Oh, I don't think it was scary. I think it was <laughs> gross. And I think... I think if, if I was 10, it would have made me scared. If, it takes you, if you take it from the point of view of the person who's watching these balloons explode, and the second part of this is watching the actors not react to exploding balloons in their face, because they're supposed to be not that's be aware true. that's That's true, they're not, yes. And right. that must have taken 
multiple retakes and nerves yeah, of steel. Yeah, because you're going to flinch. Right, you're like, going to flinch. If a balloon pops in front of your face, you're right. going to flinch. And I'm sure that the modern take of this will be done with a lot of CGI. Oh, but yeah, that's true. But it, this was It took practical. some fortitude not to have a balloon full of liquid pop in your face and it splatter and you not react to it. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Harry Anderson getting to act a bit of a clown <laughs> while fighting a clown. Right. And I really thought he might bounce. I was like, well, I think Well, he's, he's threatening to the entire go. film. Yeah, but I didn't even think he'd show up to dinner. Um, there's a lovely scene between Mike and Bill. Right. Because Mike has Bill's old bicycle. No, he's also being compelled to gather together like the instruments of, uh, of that summer. The right. The things that represented something to them in this transitional period of their lives. Right. So he first feels the compulsion, he says, to have bought, to have bought a uh, bicycle, uh, like a tire repair kit. Well, he says right. after he shows him silver, right. three months before this even appeared right. in the shop. And then secondly, he buys silver itself, which is the same bike, or is it... I believe it's the same bike. Right, okay. But it's impossible to know, but I mm. believe the idea is that it is the same bike. Okay. We are to understand it as the same bike. And you're right, it's a lovely scene. And I then watched it twice. There, yes, yes. There's this back and forth, this flash back and forth between the adult actors and the kid actors mm-hmm. just playing on this bike. And it's right. it's beautiful it to is. watch. It is. It really is. It's also so nice to see both ages of boys playing mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of times by the time a boy is 12, especially now, right. this might be less true in, the, in 1960, but especially now, Play play is sort of less encouraged, well, uh, Spec- uh, and sort of play that involves active touching of other boys right. is discouraged. And play with men, I mean, video games are one thing. I'm talking about physical play. There's, and we saw this kind of in Stand By Me also. There is an age where these boys are still crying and hugging and dependent on each other, and this is all going to break within a year or two because they're going to have to fit into these norms of behavior. Which is a shame because I think men lose a lot Mm -hmm. because they are told that, hey, you know 70% of the human spectrum of emotions? I'm going to need you to not... Mm -hmm. Well, and I think they, that that's only detrimental. They channel it into other activities. Right. Or, so or becomes, just rage. It becomes sports. It becomes competitive activities. So the idea of these two kids, and there's another element to here. Here's a black kid and a white kid. That's true. Who and are just kids. A blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white kid and mm-hmm. a black kid who are friends, and they're sharing the bicycle, and they're, we're cutting back between these middle-aged men. Yeah. Who are both, these two are the most intellectual of the whole group. The writer and the librarian, yeah. the researcher, and so seeing them have this kind of bonding time away from the rest of the group, yeah, becomes really interesting. And the dynamic. There's some moments in there. There's a moment where uh, Tim Reed accidentally whops himself in the face he with his does. coat. He does. He's he's um, he's basically Toro. He's he's uh-huh. matadoring. Uh-huh. Bill's got. He's riding the bike and he's got. He's put out his hands and horns to mm-hmm. go through. Um, Mike's jacket, yeah, and Tim Reed 
flips the jacket, like once he goes through, he flips the jacket behind his shoulder and it flips up and hits him in the face. Oh, yeah. And it's clear, I think that's just a thing that happened. Right. I, think I, don't, I don't think that it was meant, but it really adds to something because you do really feel like these are people catching up on lost time. Yeah. And something I found out in reading more about the film is that although it was an expense to the production, the child actors and the adult actors were able to work together for a while. I think that's super important. To be able to keep a cohesiveness between the performances? Yes. But on and top of that, you can see this, like, the intercutting of the scene. I have a funny feeling that it was shot the same day. I don't know if that's true, but it looks like it. Where they were, and, and where there are other scenes with the adults and the kids, do you right. think? Do you think that uh, they... They might have, because the thing is, you don't see them on screen at the same time. No, 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 no. Although it looks like the new film might have something like that. But but they do cut it close where it's an adult of one and a kid of the other. Right. And, you know... And it, then they're just cheering each other on. Now, what we've learned at this point is that the, the there's a cloud that comes over their heads as they enter Derry, and it confuses their memories. Yes. So the more time they spend together, the more they reconnect and create this sort of mythic bond that allows them to defeat the monster. Right. So... Um, Maybe. Spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. Well, the, this is now, this is now literature. Yeah, yeah for yeah. better or for worse. Even if it's pulp literature, I'm not that big a snob. Well, yeah, but you can still spoil the ending right. thing. But y'all know we are a recap show, right? You know Romeo and Juliet. You know what happens? But yeah, it's definitely not a love story, y'all. It's possibly a comedy. Um. So there's this scene, and Mike has made a dinner reservation for everybody. I don't know how he knows. Oh, I love... <laughs> so they're walk Right before that scene, they're walking, and Bill is, like, pulling little bits of memory. Mm -hmm. And Mike is, like, trying to sort of goad him into remembering more. And he goes, somebody... One of us lived here. One of us lived around here. Mm -hmm. And she, he says, yes, right down the street. And he waits. And Bill's like, Bev... Her dad was a janitor. This is port. This was poor, poor town. town, which is a terrible name for a part of your city. Uh, the most lazy right. <laughs> term for it. And also, Mike then goes, "Yep, still is," and then walks up the stairs to his house. <laughs> right. And this is something that now, when we meet Mike, his hair has gone white in some places. On the sides, he's got right. white. He is. At he basically is the guardian of whatever is there. He yes. knows that it's going to come back, so he stays connected to it. And so I kind of identified with him. Yeah, I, I did. Well, he also um, you know they, he's the responsible party. He is. The, he he's mm. well. He's a, he's the responsible party. He does acknowledge though. He's like, we were kids. Y'all's parents moved you away. Mm -hmm. It was not our decision. Right. And then I decided to stay when I got old enough. Mm -hmm. uh, also, he looks older than anybody right. else, ex with the exception of Henry Bowers, because he does come back and right. looks Well, Henry Bowers, his old. hair turned white when Right, he saw but I mean, I think the actor that they got to play him is mm. 10 years older than the actors they got oh, to yeah, play okay, everybody else, funny. maybe. And he should have been, what, five years older? Not even. I don't. I think he was fourteen. I think he was two years older in the when okay. they, you know, maybe. Um. And. Yeah, but also Bill is like rich, mm -hmm. and then they have a conversation later where and and I mentioned this last time. 
all of these adults are super fucking successful, right. except Mike. And I'm like, hey, everyone, maybe at the end of this, y'all buy Mike a house in the nice part of Derry or wherever Rich the fuck town. he wants right. to go. Because yeah. he does say at the end of this, um, I feel like I can go if I want right. to go and I might want to go. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there. So um, they go to the dinner. And they start trickling in. Um, Eddie and Ben meet up at the restaurants. Mm -hmm. A chop suey joint. A chop suey joint. It is a Chinese restaurant in Maine in 1990. Mm -hmm. And we cannot be too harsh on them. And frankly, the food looked good. The food looked really good. Up until the end. (laughs) And then Bill and Mike walk in to see Ben and Eddie. And so they have their round of hugs. Is Bev next or is Yeah, Bev is the last Witchy's because she okay, Witchy when she is sees next. Them all That's again. right. Witchy is next. Uh he walks in, starts panicking, turns around, goes to the bathroom. And I once again thought mm-hmm. he was just gonna bounce, but he didn't. He's like, Don't let him see you freak out. This is fine. Um and then he goes in, he cracks a joke, mm-hmm. and there's hugs all around again, and then Bev comes in. And Bev has What happened to her on her way in? I can't even remember. She meets the old lady. That's right. Oh, it's the commercial for the new one. Very prominent in the the new yes. is the trailer for the new film. Yes, she goes to her old house, and uh, there's a woman there named Mrs. Kirsch. Mm-hmm. But there is not a woman there named Mrs. Kirsch. Pennywise right. is there, and uh, she's forced out of the house, and then um, we see it again. Instead of just being ramshackle, it is boarded up. There's mm-hmm. nobody living there. Uh, which I believe is a thing that they used in the first part of the new one. Uh-huh. Something similar. I think maybe uh, Eddie sees something like that. Yeah, I think so. There's a boarded up house that has all sorts of strange doors. With but it looks like Mrs. Kirsch is, is make, makes an appearance in the new right. one. Because it's the entirety of the first trailer for right. the second part of the the new uh the new adaptation. Uh, and then she, but she comes in and she smiles. I think she, the first, is it, I'm trying to think. Does she kiss Bill first or does she pass she out first? She hugs everyone after she passes out. Okay, so she, she walks in, she uh, says something and then she faints, <laughs> just faints dead away. And when she goes along the line of guys and is very affectionate, but, you know, she, you know, basically kiss, really romantically kisses. Kisses Bill. Like, yeah. for minutes. Yeah. Minutes. Oh, not minutes, but no, like... Bill is a married man. A ma- Bill is the only married man right. because... Um, There's a discussion during dinner about he, the... the uh, How they're cursed, basically. Right. Uh, none of them are married except Bill. None of uh-huh. them have had children that they know of. Eddie has had to... Steamy romantic life that he admits to. Yes. <laughs> Later we found out. Found, well, you had asked, is he being coded as homosexual? Right. Uh, later we find out that he is, in fact, a virgin. Uh-huh. Because he is... Yo, here's a thing that you're going to learn. Apparently, this is the first demisexual I can recall in uh, culture. Demisexualism is the concept that you are only sexually attracted to people that you're in love with. Mm. 
and he's never loved anyone but this group of people. And he leaves it open. He's right. like, you all, like you six are the only people I've ever loved and I've never been able to have sex with somebody that I've ever loved. So, right. <laughs> like so you, my pool is very small. He didn't make a sexual, uh, like a gender choice. No. Which was an interesting way to go, mm -hmm. I think. I think the way it's revealed in the film, like a lot of the reveals in this movie are kind of clumsy because it's like, wait, 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 let's stop the yeah, plot. Yeah, right before I'm, we're about to go into this. Fight a monster. By the way, I'm a virgin. All right, let's keep going now. Uh, yeah. Yes, right. Which is I the need to get it off my chest. Um, Which is rude, the... Rude, young lady. The Sorry. opposite of like a John Carpenter film where being a virgin ensures that you live. Ensures that you live. Oh, no, we spoiled it. Not really. Mm. So we so we get to the end of so they're having dinner and they mm -hmm. all they've all say yes we've all seen Pennywise since we've been here. Also, there's this fog. Eddie is like desperate for Mike to tell them what happened because he can't remember and it's like driving him crazy. Well, until he has one big flash of memory and then regrets the fact that he wanted to know anything because yeah, it seems true. like it all hits him at the same time yeah, and it felt he bad does, for That's him. right. He gets the fact that he knows that his inhaler that he still uses mm -hmm. is camphor and water because he was told when he was 12, probably right. during the same summer, by the, by the uh, uh, druggist, I guess. Druggist, yeah, the pharmacist. Chemist. They have many names in many countries. Here right. we call them a pharmacist. Uh, and his pharmacist is like, I think you're old enough to know this is camphor and water. It's not medicine. It's all right. in your head. And he, like, of course, as a child panics, I do need it, I do need it. And then he goes back to that same pharmacy to pick up the prescription, and that same druggist is there, mm -hmm. um, but he is no longer non comus mentis with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he does sort of say that he remembers him because Eddie wants to thank him mm -hmm, for trying to warn him, for trying to tell him it was a gazebo. It was a gazebo. That's from the new ones, guys. Mm -hmm. It's real funny. It's one of the best lines. The movie. <laughs> There's a lot of good lines. And. Uh, then, of course, that is the voice of Pennywise. He turns into the voice of Pennywise. That is how Eddie sort of gets that. So Eddie gets that, yes, his mother has basically been lying to him mm -hmm. and um, putting him on these placebo medications for his whole life and sort of keeping him weak. Mm -hmm. And he remembers all of the... He, he, he had a conversation with Stan, and Stan says that he saw past the face of the monster, mm -hmm. past Pennywise, whatever's behind it. Right. Stan had looked into it and seen its deadlights. They have they struggle for a minute to come mm -hmm. up with the term deadlights, but deadlights is the term. And uh, that conversation with Eddie uh, comes back to Eddie all at once. Like, everything just hits him at once, and he just starts right. crying. Like, he's just like... But also what it hits him, which I liked, is the his own heroism. That's right. And jumping in and confronting the monster with his inhaler. Yes, with the battery acid inhaler. Which, actually, it's, it's just as much battery acid as it, as it is medicine. As it is medicine, so, absolutely. Right. Um, so what happens at the end of this dinner? That's the part I liked. So at the end of the dinner, they're like, well... If Stan doesn't show up, I say we just go on. Mm -hmm. And Richie the whole time is like, uh, I'm on a plane tomorrow morning. Right. You know, it's cool to see you all, y'all, but uh, no, nah, not, nope. 
I'm a grown ass man and I'm not doing this. I don't fight monsters. We're all forty, you know, forty two years old mm-hmm. or whatever, and no. Uh, and as a thirty nine year old, I commend them. And they uh, they get their fortune cookies. And their fortune cookies are monstrous. Little monsters. Little monsters. They were very cute. Inside of the fortune cookies. They think this is your crawling eye reference. Right. Uh, which he, uses an eyeball. Yes. There's some hairy legs and some blood and some... And, like an underdeveloped chick or something. Yes, like a, like a weird... It's pretty gross. Dead bird. And... Uh, they all like freak out, but then they're like, Bill's like, we need to calm down. They're still in a restaurant mm-hmm. and nobody else can see this. And they right. know that. Like, uh, and uh, the poor waitress comes back and is like, is everything okay? And they're like, oh yeah, it's great. And meanwhile, there's like, Things flailing that they're seeing, yeah. but nobody else is Tentacles seeing. Tentacles and spiky legs and... Yeah. And uh, and that's when the dinner concludes and they go back to the library um, to sort of make, make a plan. Uh, the blood is still there from earlier. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how Bev cleaned it up once. Right. And that was the scene that they put in the first part of the remake, so I didn't think it was going to be in this one. But they do show the boys coming over, which, Bev, you're brave. Your dad really thinks you're fucking all these kids, and you brought them all into your home. Ooh, it's a good thing you weren't busted. Uh, and they help her clean it clean it all up. Uh, and so they start sort of doing that again. Mm-hmm. And... This is when they go to the library, right? Yeah, and Mike is... I like the library as the headquarters. I like that part yes. of that idea. Mike is... Uh, calling Stan, trying to figure out what's going on with Stan, and then, of course, gets the mm-hmm. news that Stan has killed himself. Is that when Eddie realizes, oh, Stan had seen the deadlights and... I, th- I can't remember if that's what motivates it. There's some sort of, like, poltergeist scene where papers are flying and... Yeah, right. And after, right after that, destroyed. there are... Yes, mm. this is the second movie in a row that we have had just wanted disregard for the pa- the paper the that a word. book is printed on. And that's when he opens the refrigerator and finds uh, Stan's head being kind of weirdly animated. Yeah, and that's right. We do get like a cartoon character. one scene of Richard Mazur uh, really reading all of them, like mm-hmm. really unfairly, like right. really unfairly. It's it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um and then they close the door. The refrigerator door. The refrigerator door. I just like that. Okay, well, if you're going to be talking oh, shit, we're, we're just going to close the door and not talk this. to you, severed head. And then all of the books sort of fly around and mm. there's big whooshing. And the windows shatter, so they decide to escape. They're like, we're going to go. They decide to go to the hotel where they're all staying. Um, no, we, there's something that we forgot to mention. Yeah. Um, Henry... Okay, yeah, there's two things that we should mm-hmm. mention now. One is that Audra has decided to follow Bill. Mm-hmm. So she's en route to... I like that she called an airline and asked for a ticket to the United States. Right. I was like, well... Okay, there we go. I mean, good luck, but okay. We're just going to take a dart and throw it somewhere. Just, <laughs> and then, so she's on her way. And meanwhile, yes, Henry, who has been at the asylum because he had... When found after the incident in the sewers when they were kids, mm-hmm. with his white hair, 
had confessed the mur- the murders of the children right. that had gone missing, including his two friends, uh, and has been locked up in an asylum since then. And now, Pennywise on the Moon talks to him and mm-hmm. says, "We're going to break you out of here, and because." You're on the outside. They're in between, and I'm on the inside. Mm. And if I can't get them from here, you can definitely get right. them from there. Um, which is an interesting sort of knowledge of your own limitations in this battle. Mm-hmm. Like, if they just stop believing in me, right. I have no power over them. Right. So, although there is a physical form that they there do a phy- fight. Well, I think what it is, if I can make the comparison, mm-hmm. is it's like a deep-sea angler, this fish, yeah. that have a light or a lure that's, a, that's attached to a stalk on the top of their head. Right, that's I the female one. I hate those fish, they're ugly. Anyhow, that's so lady. what happens... The man is so small, and he just, sticks onto her side, and then atrophies into nothing. They're fascinating. even more repulsive, frankly. <laughs> it's just gross. Anyhow, but the idea that... She's sexy and you're jealous. Go right, ahead. That must be it. <laughs> it's that, that mouthful of teeth. Um, the, uh, the lure is what the clown is. Yes. And yes. So there is a physical creature that's vulnerable, but it doesn't, he doesn't want to use that because it puts him in a position of being vulnerable to actually right. being attacked. Absolutely. And also he doesn't expect to be found. Like right. the physical form doesn't expect to be found. Um, but they realize that there must be a physical form. If the, what's happening is that every thirty years, if this thing feeds, comes to feed. Right. It has, it it has, has to, to eat. It has a digestive tract. Yeah. So it's not feeding on souls. It's actually feeding on these children. Right. Like the bodies of these whatever people. ripped off uh, the arm. Yeah, George's. Victim, yes. Then it, it, and and several student or several kids just go missing. Right. And aren't found, and then their whole selves are consumed, and then put into a little hobbit door. It's Pretty good. Uh, they go up to the hotel and they decide to split up because mm-hmm. Bev is cold, so she puts on a jacket and it's like, "There's a shawl upstairs," and I'm like, "And I'm like, if this shawl is not knit, I'm gonna be real pissed." And it fucking wasn't. I'm like, "That shawl is not for warmth. What are we doing?" But three of them go upstairs and they're pretty smart about it. Right. It doesn't help, but they're pretty smart about it. Come back to the. They're all in a row. Three three rooms in a row, and um, they're like, come back, meet back in two minutes, leave the doors open. Mm-hmm. Like, don't... Right. We don't know how we're going to be attacked, so be aware. Even those precautions, though. So Ben's going into Bev's room, and he gets her shawl, and he's sniffing it like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Because he still loves her, of course he does, even though... Right. Was he there when she just blatantly kissed him? Oh. Yeah, she was. Also downstairs before this scene, Ben is reverted back to 16-year-old boy. Uh-huh. Uh, this is every 16-year-old boy that I recall. If you have a crush on a girl in a group setting, offer a shoulder massage well, because she's never going to say no. I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> what I thought about that scene. He starts petting her head and she's rubbing against yes. his hands like a cat. She is. But first, he's massaging her right. shoulders and I'm like, this but is the, the in. She's between your legs. This is, I'm serious, like this was the move. I don't know if it was the move in 1960, but it was the fucking move in move. the 90s. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I recognize that move. I have both used that move and had that move used on me. And also, uh, yeah, uh, you can rub my shoulders any fucking time. Absolutely. But the way that she's reacting, she's really a physically affectionate she's, with all yes, of them. Yes, with all of them. She's yes. romantic with um, Bill. She only... She only kissed Bill. Well, but, she kisses Eddie later. Uh, Full on the mouth kisses Eddie as well. Well, and... Ben, mm -hmm. she's kissing all of them. I, I think that yeah, it was <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> startling in a way because I she does kiss Richie too. I think she mouth kisses all of them except maybe Mike. Except I, I think Bill's Mike kissing, uh, Mike kissing, Ugh. mouth kissing was a, a well. It was supposed to be more blatant, but mm -hmm. if you look, she's kissing all of them. Right. Um. But yeah. getting back to so Ben, so he's up in her room. Mm -hmm. And then she comes in behind him, and he's like, get out of here. Like, we, 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 we need to stay all together, and we need to not. Mm -hmm. And she says the beginning of the poem to mm -hmm. him, uh, January Amper's, what is it? Winter fire, I don't know. Your it's hair like... burns like winter fire, January Amber's, I burn there too. So he starts in and says, um, you wrote that, didn't you? And he says, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... She, he goes, didn't you think it was Bill? And she goes, no, I always thought it was you. And I'm like, well, that's uh, an indication that this is not what is actually happening. Right. Um, and they end up start they start kissing, and then <laughs> he sees in the mirror from the waist down, it's the big yellow baggy pants of Pennywise, and he right. pulls away, and it's Tim Curry, full clown makeup. He's got white, make, white makeup smeared on his face, mm -hmm. and like, Tim Curry just looks at him in his face and goes, kiss me, fat boy. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's happening? There, that, yeah, that is funny. It's that's what you get when you hire Tim Curry, I think. Is I guess. Because some of the performance that he gives in the library in particular is so bizarre. It's like so he's big literally guac, guac, making duck noises yes. and really going for it. He just, yeah. But it's like deeply not scary. Mm -hmm. Like, to me, the design of the new clown mm -hmm. is profoundly unsettling. Well, the design of this Pennywise is not unsettling to me. And it might just be because I've seen it so much. Once right. again, the crusty problem. Uh, well, there's different kinds of clowns. But and just the apparently kiss me the earlier, was so much. The earlier design was more of a hobo clown. Yeah. Or the tramp, I think is what they used mm -hmm. to call it. And then there was the grotesque, which is this mm -hmm. one. Uh, and Tim Curry, what the advantage of the new film was that the actor who did it, and whose name I forget. Bill Skarsgård. He did not seem to mind the prosthetics. No. And Tim Curry had just finished doing Legend and said that oh, was a nightmare. Yeah. I can't do that again. I can't blame him because the prosthetics right. in Legend were... Were ridiculous. He basically had... You saw his eyes under contact lenses and parts of his face, but for the most part, he was completely it was, concealed. Yeah. And yeah. the hours of getting in and out of makeup. Yeah, and it wasn't thing. a face mask. It was just mm -hmm. appliances applied and to his, his cheeks, body. his chin, yeah. his whole chest. Right. Yeah, that's right. He, his whole body. He down. looks amazing yeah, in that movie. But you but, see very little yeah. of him. What you're really getting is his voice. And that was always sort of... I feel bad because I'm like, you know, that could have been anybody in there. Although, 
what he's doing with uh, his voice is yes. spectacular. But yeah, poor guy is in so much. He is so that after that experience, he's like, I, I don't, I don't I want to do that again. Yeah, just put some white face on me and mm-hmm. let me be done. Yeah, no, I could, I understand that. Right. But then at the same time, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I do love Tim Curry. I don't love this Pennywise, but that's fine. So he breaks away and gets out. Now, meanwhile, one room over, we have Mike, who I don't know what room he's in, because he's not staying at this hotel, because he is staying at his house, I would think. Well, maybe, I don't know. But uh, he's in another room, gathering whatever he's gathering. Because they all say, all three of them have something to get from upstairs yeah. or whatever. And uh, and Henry appears and stabs him mm-hmm. in what appears to be the lung. It like might have been is, the lung. It might have been beneath the rib cage, and he was aiming at like the... It the looked higher It looked liver. higher up than that, but... Yeah. Uh, it's a blood stain, and I don't know exactly where it's supposed to be. But yeah, it was pretty... Um, it, that scene is unexpectedly violent because it's not it supernatural is. violence. It's just a guy jumping you in just, a room. Just, uh, yes, a guy who's uh-huh. been in asylum for a long time, so it's not like this is a skill set he has. No. He's just... Now, Eddie... And then Eddie hears the ru- muffling, uh-huh. co- comes over and saves Mike. This is I mean, Mike ends mm-hmm. up being the one, I think, that moves Pushes in such a way. And then uh, Henry falls... Uh, well, the, the Henry knife stabbed with his own knife. But uh, uh, which is a very dies. kind of fifties movie contrivance or fifties yeah. television contrivance, you know, yeah. uh, to avoid violence, he just had people fall on their own knives. Yeah, and that, right. that's like, oh well, the hero didn't kill him; he killed himself. But what you see con- uh, repeatedly is that Eddie, um, despite his being terrified of everything, is the guy who to, ca- to count on when the shit goes down. He yeah, yeah, jumps yeah. in feet first. He is uh, Captain America, right? Pre Captain America, right? Right. He's Steve Rogers. He's Steve Rogers. Little Steve Rogers. Diving on a fucking grenade, even though it's probably going to kill him, but at least all these other people won't die because he loves them. Right. And I think that's that's what makes his character compelling because he doesn't have the same sort of backstory Mm -mm. that... But he does have this element of when the shit's going down, he's going to jump in. First thing, he's going to jump in with the inhaler. He's going to jump on a guy who's much bigger than him. Much bigger than him. And he's a little guy. Yeah, he is. By far the smallest right. of our of our losers club. Um, they they go off. They get Mike to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike gives Bill the silver earrings that the incredibly ugly silver yes, earrings. These are rough. Still ugly. Still not After things you'd want to hang from your head. Uh, he went down ten years prior mm-hmm. and pried. You know, one of them was stuck in the drain pipe. And the other was stuck in a fissure in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he was having a really rough time 10 years ago and was close to suicide uh, when he started sort of collecting these things. And it kind of set him back in a path where he could kind of get himself back together. Mm. Uh, and the rest of the guys or the rest of them, go back to the hotel. This may be my favorite scene. (laughs) Where they're like, we're not going to just leave a dead body in this hotel. (laughs) And they're like, oh, no, we definitely are going to do that. First of all, all of us is touching everything. Right. The fingerprints 
the evidence in this room is wild. Second, they're going to turn on the television, put on the do not disturb sign, uh, would they say light a candle or something for air freshener and bounce? They were just going to just leave and hope that that bottom time. You don't think a dude appearing dead in a room on the same, uh, the timeline wouldn't line up to this other stabbing. Right. How many stabbings do you think were in Derry this Well, evening? something that we've become aware of and we're told mostly through uh, Beverly's story, her flashback of being uh, sexually harassed by Bowers and his Yeah, gang, that's right. Is that people in the town are... Infected. Infected through from this evil, so yeah. they, they instinctively turn away when things right. are wrong. That's right. And that's something that comes up later in uh, in the, cli- not the climax, but the resolution, is um, having, I forget his name again. Who are we talking about? Uh, the, the librarian. Mike. Having Mike say, uh, which is a really appropriate name now that I think of it, Mike. Mike Hanlon. Mike, uh, St. Michael, the one who protects you from evil. Oh, okay. Uh, But, um, and King would know that. Uh, He mentions later on that the police investigations are very cursory. Yeah, that's right. And kind of dismissive because the truth of it, no one wants to know what's going on there. That's right. We do get flashbacks Mm of um, Bev being surrounded by this gang of boys with her pressed up against the building and them holding her face. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be bad. Whatever it is, is going to be bad. And she sees the neighbor who sees what's happening and then just turns and goes back into his house. Right. And she's like, I don't think it was malicious, but everyone here is part of it. Like, this place is bad. Right. And everyone's a part of it. The, the Oh, the other uh, sort of thread that's happened is Audra has stopped for gas on the inside of Derry, and the attendant comes out, and uh, she's asking, you know, where a hotel might be. And he says, just there past the Barrens. The Barrens, that's where they right. play. We, that we could, we forgot, but that's where we they couldn't. play. And she says, the Barrens, what's that? Now, she's a British lady, uh, so doesn't know this time. And he says, where they used to play. And she's like, knows at that moment, like, why do you know who the, like, why are you giving me specifics about anyone? Because I haven't given you specifics right. about me. And she's like, well, I'm just going to go. And then you just see this glow. Mm-hmm. And then that's the last we see of her for a while. The evil of the town. The evil of the town. The town teaches people to look away, which is kind of like, you know, Congress. Uh, just don't look. Just don't look. Don't if you don't look. look, it's not happening. I'm the chosen one. Don't look. I want oh, to buy Denmark. So don't look. I'm the Messiah. Don't look. Oh, my God. Just dude. turn the other way. So Once dude. again, if a guy sitting at a bus stop starts talking to you like that. You have them committed. Right. You, you don't. Or talk screened. Right. You are either on drugs or psychotic. This guy is 5150 <gasps> and he's strapped to a gurney. You do not okay. Anyways, let that man run for president. Let's but, talk about 1990. Okay, 1990. So, Audra has been taken. Mm-hmm. They're going to go down to the thing, down to the sewers. Our heroes. They're down to five mm-hmm. from seven. Uh, and they all are like, well, Bill's like, I'm going because I can't live with myself if I don't. I just can't. Well, his brother. Yeah. He has the biggest emotional stake in it. Right. And everybody else is... uh, Bev is like, there are fucking real stakes here because 
Stan is dead. Right. And Mike is in the hospital. Like, this shit is real. Mm-hmm. As much as it's imaginary. Like... It's well, like I said, of part things. of it is imaginary. Right. Part of it is a very real, horrible thing. Right, that lives. which is what he says. He's like, "There's got to be something that's mm-hmm. eating," yeah. which means there has to be a physical form, and that's what we have to find. The part that leaves bones in its excrement—that's the part you can kill. Yeah. So they and Richie is still like, "No, no, no, no," but he see he's seeing these news reports of mm-hmm. this girl who's been killed and he, he can't he can't leave yeah uh as much as he would like to be able to just leave he can't leave so they head down back into the ironworks into the non-sewers it's not sewers it's like runoff for gray water i think is what we yeah. decided uh and they reach an area um oh no the on the way in they find uh, Audra's purse and so he's like <laughs> it's so funny so they right when they get in there they find his purse and he takes off running alone hey guys don't split up stay together he runs off ahead they catch up. He is he, and they find him basically catatonic. Mm-hmm. He is um, just fucking freaked out. Right. And they sort of bring him back, and they're like, "We're here. We're with you. We're gonna do this." And I think at that point, Bill gives the silver to Bev, mm-hmm. who has changed into jeans like a smart lady. Yes, I you like were that. so excited when she yes, was pulling like, her jeans on under her skirt. These are my monster hunting clothes. <laughs> Um, and she's got, you know, the, the slingshot in her back pocket. And then they bring Bill sort of back to them. And then Bill, Bill's first sort of words as they go deeper into the mm-hmm. tunnel says, stay together. And I'm like, motherfucker, you're the one that just ran away, but okay. Uh, and, oh, before this happens, I have to talk about the scene with Ben and Bev. Mm-hmm. Because oh, it's yes. very funny. Because um, so they're all sort of pairing off and having these little moments. And this one is at the hospital. This is at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think one, they're smoking or something. Mm-hmm. They're outside, and uh, Bev comes up to Ben, and it's the real Bev mm-hmm. comes up to Ben, and Ben says something in a really sort of nice way, mm-hmm. and she goes, "You're so poetic," and then you see this look on her face, like. Oh shit! Right. He wrote it like like it dawns on her right there. Right, and then she says the first line of the poem, and he goes, <laughs> "What does he say? Are you a clown? Are you Bev? What are you?" <laughs> it's like, is, but isn't it? Doesn't he say like, "Damn it!" Right. <laughs> are you a cl- are you Bev or is the, that the clown in there? And like he says it with a fully straight face, but no, also it's John Ritter. I'm, it's. <laughs> I said this when we were watching it, that I wonder how many takes it took before he could get out of his face. Is it you? Is it a clown? Because that is the most ridiculous thing that anyone's had to say. And then I feel like I'm losing my mind, I think is what it comes out to. Now, this goes along with uh, one of my favorite 
bad movies, Night of the Lepus from 1972. It's about big rabbits. Where someone has to drive into a drive-in theater, a cop, and yell, everyone run, there's a herd of giant killer rabbits coming this way. Coming this way. And I like, <laughs> every time I watch it, I wonder how many times did... 40. Like, how many <laughs> Not times less before than 40. nobody in this in, all the crew laughed out loud. And a film that's just unusable. You had to read this line and like... Fuck it, it was 80 right. They didn't even, they were like, <laughs> nope. It's never gonna happen. But yeah, this was similar. Like, how on earth did you get that out of your mouth? Yeah, it's really good. Bursting but out he laughing. Also, is believable. Right. But it is a rough line. It is the out. best line reading of that line ever. Yeah. It is they just did no favors to or did not help him at all. And then, uh, excuse me. And then. She's like, no, it's me, it's me. And then she kisses him, like she mm-hmm. forces him to kiss her. And then mm-hmm. now they're a couple. Y'all, they're a couple for the rest of this. They are holding hands. He's got her his hands around her waist. Should they? They are together Every, every now. time that you see them in a frame, <laughs> his arm is around her and yes. she's up front. So it's like now that they've held on to each other, they, they are not going to let go. Nope. They're holding on for dear life. Yep. Uh, and they get deeper in and they mm. find... Audra, and she's catatonic and wrapped in a, a gauze. A shawl of gauze. A shawl of gauze. And they find a little hobbit door that has, mm. like, skulls set nicely around right. it. It's very well made for what I assume... I don't understand how the spider made it, but... I think that it might partly be a fabrication of their imagination. Maybe oh, maybe. Not. Yeah, that might be. That because if not, it just sort of looks like, you know, the the, uh, like, so the haunted handy. house at a hobbit. Uh, I love it. Yes, yeah, right. Know, harvest it's, party or something. Right. It's, it's uh, And silly. then this spider, this very cool stop motion spider, which is deeply not scary to me. But mm. if you were raised with this stuff, like I got to assume that like if you had seen this in 1990, it would have scared and delighted you. Right. I think it delights you now, yeah. but I don't think it scares Anytime. you. Stop motion is such a weird, and it's something that Harry hasn't brought up. It's never supposed to look real. It's supposed to look surreal and weird. And right. the way that it, and it does. It does look very surreal. And, and the, they do very nice work. Right. This um, spider, and when, in the first part, when mm. Pennywise opens the drain. Right. In the bathroom with Eddie. Yeah. Those are the two sort of uses of that kind of stop motion. Right. And they're both done very well. Right. This is done by Gene Warren, who... Uh, the same special effects crew that worked on The Terminator and a lot of low-budget films in the 80s, but actually started doing things like Land of the Lost and all okay. these TV shows yeah. back in the day that had stop motion in it. So he was... If you could not afford someone of the caliber of like a Harryhausen or something, or Phil Tippett, who was working at the time... You went with Gene Warren's weird kind of creative uses of stop motion in really weird ways, and that was a that was fun. The spider was fun, and it was a really weird design. Yeah, it's very other looking. Yeah, because it's not quite a spider. No, it's not. It's, it's got. Uh, and we like, talked about last week. They said there was an intentional reptilian design, but it kind yeah, of yeah. It's got very um, kind of scaly, armored. Yeah, it has different. It has arms. You know what and it looks legs? like to me is um, the the texture of it is like that wooden um, musical instrument that you play when you're a kid and it's got all the ridges right. that you just run like a 
like a mallet along and yeah. it's like it makes like a, a sound. sound right? That's what it looks like. It's very bumpy mm-hmm. like that. So Bev gets out her trusty uh, silver earrings mm-hmm. and can does two terrible shots. Right. And then the thing well, like the first shot misses entirely. Misses entirely and the, and the other one bounces it. off its face. Does uh-huh. not does nothing. And then it sort of rears up and like moths to a flame, the three tall tall men tall heroic looking guys. In 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 a matter of thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. One, then the other, then the third. Bill, Richie, no, Bill, Ben, Richie, mm-hmm. I think in that order, are hypnotized by the light show that's going on on its underbelly. Which of course is where Bev needs to hit. But now she doesn't have any silver. So she uh goes to uh Retrieve. Retrieve them. And Eddie decides that he's going to try and do what he had done before. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is battery acid. And he sprays it. And it doesn't do anything, really. I think they're adults now, so that they're... Yeah. Right. And and he knows... Although it should work. In, in, in mm. effect, it should still work. Although this is the physical form... And it was the Pennywise form. Right. It was the, the, as you say, the hanging light, mm-hmm. the angler light previously. And it picks him up with its pincer Well, feet. it's weird hand things. It's got it like has. weird hand pincer at the, at the, it's almost like part crab too. Mm-hmm. And it picks him up and lifts him all the way up. And the sense is that he is not cut all the way in half or anything, but, but he it's is. It's like it crushed his crushed. ribs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he is able to get it, like, it's paying attention to him, and then Beverly is able to no-look slingshot it in the mm-hmm. abdomen, and it... Um, right in the deadlights. Yeah, right in the deadlights. And the other three sort of are shaken, shaken out little, of it. Right. And they chase after this spider that is, like, mm-hmm. retreated and start, like, ripping it apart. Now, this is the part that amused me because it winds up just being a street fight. They knock it over they, they and... They knock it over and they're intestines. kicking its stomach and they're pulling <laughs> right. on its legs and they rip it open and pull out its heart and hold its heart over their now, head. Here's where, again, being 2000 kind of failed it a little bit because we can only see the heart ripping out in shadow. Yeah. And so that would have been a triumphant moment that we were robbed because network practices. They were like, that's gross. You can't watch. (laughs) And it was a huge pity because I think that that moment of them covered in blood, ripping out its intestines, that was such a visceral, literally visceral moment that it would have worked really, really well. Yeah. But sadly, no. Um, And Eddie uh, is killed. Yes, Eddie's dead. And you, they, Bill carries Audra out. Richie carries Eddie out, mm-hmm. and uh, Ben and Bev go out together. And so there are three couples basically right. at the end of this, standing at the out, sort of uh, at the entrance, um, out in the light again. Uh, and then we get uh, an epilogue. Basically, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, sometime later. It's not clear. Like maybe six months has gone by. Um, and Mike is doing... I don't know six months because it's, because uh, Mike has just got out of the hospital. Well, no. Mike's been out for a while. Okay, I was on the assumption that it was... A Audra's reason. just getting out oh, of the Audra, hospital. Oh, Audra. I'm sorry. That's it. So Mike's been out for a while, and he's giving us the rundown. So mm-hmm. um, 
their memories are fading. Mm -hmm. Their memories of each other and their memories of it are fading over time. He's recovered and gets out. Beverly and Ben get married after a week and within a month are expecting their first child, so that curse is broken. Uh, Richie is cast in a film uh, with his with a new partner who looks a, a lot partner, like right. Eddie. Who looks acts a lot like Eddie. So this uh, yeah. is like yeah. He... If if any of us saw them, right? You know, if anybody who knew him saw him, they would tell you that looks right. a lot acts a lot like Eddie Capsbrag. And then Bill is there caring for Audra, who has not recovered, recovered. Mm. physically. She is fine. Mentally, she is not mm. there. And uh, as they're getting in the car to leave, Mm because I I guess six months is up and you got to go, he sees Silver. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, once the day that Stanley saw the deadlights, we had seen this in a really weird flashback earlier, Mm because the first time... Yeah, that was not well handled. The first time you see this flashback... It's Bill grabbing the bike and remembering. But what we see is the back of Bill's head and mm-hmm. Stan. Right. And we're right behind Stan, who's looking back terrified. Okay. Which is a weird image for the per- person who would not have seen this. Yeah. Because we're seeing the back of his head. Um, and then later we get a piece of the day that he saw the deadlights, I didn't see him. He, I picked him up, and I was riding mm-hmm. so fast, but he had looked back and seen whatever he had seen, right. and I was too scared to look back. And he says, uh, once this thing could ride to beat the devil, let's see if we could do it again. And yeah. and Derry is, the the nice thing about the way that this is shot is actually Derry is supposed to be on a, Hill. Like, okay. there is this big hill in Derry. And he basically just, he's, first of all, he's too big for this bike. <laughs> so he's got this woman who is catatonic on his lap, and he is riding down this giant hill. I'm like, well, mm. they're both going to die. So that's <laughs> no helmets. This is going to work out very well. But they reach a certain speed, and Audra's hand tightens on his shoulder, and she comes out of it, like Silver brings her out of it. And then, of course, they stop in the middle of this intersection and start kissing while stopping all traffic in all directions. Right. And I'm like, well, they're, now they're definitely going to get murdered because there's a time and a place and this is neither. Get out of the road. Uh, but she's she's better, and then they're kissing, and then that's the end. Right. So it has a very happy ending, well, for some people. It has a happy ending for... Five of them. And Michael, or Mike. Mike says, I think I'm going to bounce. Yeah, I'm going to have some vacation time. To wit, I say, I think you should bounce, but I also think you should be, we've got famous architect, Mm -hmm. famous fashion designer, movie star, uh, book, you know, famous author. I think that Mike's life should be financed from here on out. And I do believe that they set up some sort of trust where they just send money and that's what he lives off of because he protected Mm -hmm. 
and watched over. He was the guardian for so right. long. I feel, and he wasn't able to move away. I feel like yeah. they should all be subsidizing him now <laughs> for whatever he wants to do. We're not even going to ask. We're just all each every month going to put five thousand dollars in this bank account that you are the only one who has access to. Live your life, Mike Hanlon. <laughs> Live your life. So that is it. Haha, <laughs> we did uh, it. We did it. It. E- <laughs> so, I loved it so much, but I was not scared. It was, but I did enjoy the hell out of it. I think that it's really enjoyable. I think that um, even with the resources that they were working with and some of the restrictions, it could have been scary and it wasn't. Your volume is right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so even with the resources that they had available, and because it's not a matter of of um, of saying that older movies aren't scary. No, I, I, that's this was on primetime television right. on ABC. But I think that there was there could have been ways to be more creative with it, and it could have been scarier. I also think. A lot of people who are my age mm-hmm. think this is like the scariest thing ever because there are certain still images in mm-hmm. it that are deeply right. scary. Like Pennywise in a drain, I don't care what Pennywise it is, that's unsettling. Yeah. And it's always going to be unsettling. But yeah, if you see, he, then he opens his mouth and you're like, yeah, they I'm not too afraid much of a dude teeth. calling me bucko. Right. I think that... Um, the sharp teeth prosthetic thing, which that I, I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. It's the words coming out of it. Yeah, that really I think they over relied on the hissing with the, with the teeth. That I don't know. Thing. I think that's fine. Like I said, it's a primetime thing. I think they wanted kids to watch it and be scared, not like mm-hmm. little kids, but like but I mean, you could there could have been something to push it because to me, it was what it really lacked was a lot of atmosphere i think rainy storms and bright sunny days and you know it, it felt like that and i think that with a director because you look at the what a tv dire- what a director can do even with tv restrictions because years before this salem's lot was on right, right. but and that I, managed to get very creepy but and also very i don't think people were wanting 12 year olds to watch I don't think that mm. I think that the target audience for that was different than the target audience. Well, for I mean, but there was a twelve-year-old, Jonathan Brandis, fourteen-year-old, I guess. You don't, yeah. Mm. That's there true. was one, but there was one, but he wasn't the main character. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think that this was targeted a little bit younger. younger. Okay, um, I do. Uh, but I do think it missed its opportunity with some of the scares in it. Yes, but. Mm-hmm. As far as just an enjoyable thing to right. watch, now I, for sure. I didn't see it as a horror film, and this is the way that, because I really enjoyed it, but I see it as a science fiction film. Yeah. and I think a lot of in that respect, Stephen King stuff is just put as, well, he's horror, right. which is not, he writes all kinds of things, mm-hmm. mysteries, sci-fi, right. fantasy, and then there's horror. And we can see people... And thriller. And we've discussed that before. There are people who just get horror as directors and producers and mm-hmm. people who don't. And it's not a matter of talent. It's just that some people can get into that. Well, who directed this? I'm looking that up right mm-hmm. now. Oh, it's the Tommy Lee Wallace. That's right. Mm-hmm. It was the Tommy Lee Jones What else Wallace, did he direct? Uh, thing. So I'm clicking on his thing. And he has directed 23 things. 
starting with Halloween 3, Season of the oh, Witch. Oh, yeah, okay. And ending with a new movie that is not out, but we will probably be missing it, called Helliversity. Like university, but with hell at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of dolphin stuff. That sounds like I'm making it up. Dolphin stuff? But he did a thing called Green Dolphin Beat, which might not actually have dolphins in it. Born Free, A New Adventure, which feels like it might be dolphins. No, it's not. It's from the Born Free trilogy. There's lions in it, but not dolphins. And then three episodes of the 1990s version of Flipper. Oh, that's very strange. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe he's not really a spooky guy. He did three episodes of The Twilight Zone, the 80s version. Um, Season of Witch was the first movie that he did. Max Headroom episodes, Fright Night Part 2, this, uh, Witness to the Execution, which is a TV movie I've actually heard of, and then a bunch of stuff that's not worth discussing. (laughs) But he's, uh, oh, and he wrote the screenplay for Amityville 2, The Possession. Oh, that was not a good movie. And Halloween 3. And Fright Night Part 2. He likes to do multiple... He likes to do sequels. He's not particularly ambitious with his stuff, it looks like. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily true. That paid him. He's Mm -hmm. got a career. I I can't fault him for it. So, he is a writer, producer, director, actor. Best known for his contributions as a horror film. So, that's... Who did it? Tommy Lee Wallace. Neither Tommy Lee Jones nor D. Wallace. Neither of those people. And he wrote and directed it. So, in um, the writing, I don't think the writing was particularly strong. Like, no. dialogue-wise. There was a I actually of... think that the structure... Uh-huh. Was wor- worked beautifully. I think the structure of it, writing-wise, was very good. The structure of the like editing was really good. I think that sometimes what people said felt very forced and unrealistic. Yeah. I was like, did anybody do table reads mm-hmm. to hear what this sounds like coming out of a human mouth? Well, there was also an element of like people would just sit around and say obvious things that move the plot along. As all the kids are sitting around, yeah. well, maybe it's a creature that takes the form of everything that we're frightened of right. and, and just spills it out like that. Yeah, which is, I mean, these are things that you do have to do. You've made a three hour version, or in the case of the new one, it'll probably end up being five hours right. version of, a, of a, an 1100 page book. You've got to take some shortcuts, but there are smarter, better ways right. to do that than a lot of these were, uh, did feel clunky. Yeah. But um, everybody in it was really good. Yeah. I think the actors were all, all the kids really were great. great. All the uh, kids were great. All the adults were great. Yeah. They all worked together as if they were part of a unit. This is legitimately a movie where I'd just be like, on a Friday night, you want to just watch it. Yeah. It's three hours and 12 minutes long total runtime. Right. And it didn't feel long. Neither half no. felt long. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it's very it was, enjoyable. Not scared. I do I was legitimately scared by the most recent version. Mm-hmm. And we actually have to rewatch it because the right. sequel's coming soon. Uh 
we won't be talking about it for like a whole nother year. I know, that's crazy. But, um, in fact, are your, th- so how do you feel? Are you, are you good on your thoughts? Cause I, I want to talk about sure, things yeah, that are yeah, coming absolutely. up. Um, so this brings us to the end of the nineties in Stephen King adaptations. I would also say it's a good adaptation. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a TV miniseries of this movie or of this book, I think it's a good adaptation. Right. They took the important things and put it in there. Uh, I do think that it being on TV is detrimental, but that's fine. So we're, oh, I'm sorry, we're at the end of the 80s, and I'm going to qualify 10 as the cutoff point. So we've gone 1976 through 1990. We're at the fir- end of our first full decade. I know it should have been 89, but whatever. So next uh, week we're going to start in 1991. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of TV stuff in the next decade. Okay. Uh, so what's the first one? So the first, the next two things that we're going to watch, I have no basis for. Mm-hmm. And that is sometimes they come back. Uh, oh, I've heard that was Which was from good. 1991 mm-hmm. and made for television. And The Golden Years. No, the golden years will be interesting because it was a TV show that was on, and it was conflicting with another TV show that people watched in my household, and so I never got really a chance to see more than part of an episode or part of an episode. But it's seven episodes. Yeah. Holy shit! Are we gonna watch it? We should How probably watch it? it all. I think. You think we should watch it all? Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll watch a bunch. We'll watch. We'll let you know. We will watch some. How do we want to do this? Seven episodes. Does that mean an hour each or two yeah, hours each? each. Well, an hour each. Hour. Okay, so we could maybe break it up in two. Maybe we'll break it up in two. Um, so, yeah, I have no context for these two things. Then we're going to talk about the dark half. We're going to, and in the dark half episode, we're going to talk about some other stuff too that came out around the same time mm. as. Stephen King adjacent, but not Stephen King adaptations. So we're going to talk about them, Lawnmower Man, Sleepwalkers, mm. but we're not going to recap them. We'll just discuss them with the No dark one has half. to watch Sleepwalkers more than once. And then we're going to watch Needful Things. Although Magda Amick was pretty good. I like her. We're not, yes. Well, you can watch her now. She's still on stuff. Uh, then Needful Things, then the Tommyknockers, Shawshank Redemption, and then The Stand. Okay. And that brings us to 1995. The Stand is going to be a big effort. We're going to do four episodes. We're going to do one per... Uh, there's too many people. Mm-hmm. And we will get... Yeah. It will take us too long to do it any other way. So we're going to do four episodes of The Stand for sure. Um, but then the other things in the 90s for television are The Langoliers, the remake of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, trucks and Quicksilver Highway. Now, how will and we, Storm of the Century. How will we, oh, Storm of the Century I was very fond of. How will we even find trucks? I don't know. I bet it's on a DVD set with other weird things. It's a lifetime movie from what I remember. We'll, well, I'm gonna, like, if, well, we're going to do our best. Or USA or something back in the day. We're going to do our best. I don't know. Um, we don't need to talk about it on air. <laughs> okay. But, uh, well, unless you guys have a hookup and then let me know. We might need a hookup for trucks. Right. <laughs> so, 
So that's what's coming up in our next decade, uh, along with things like Dolores Claiborne, Thinner, Apt Pupil, The Green Mile, and The Night Flyer, and The Mangler. I've just read all of the titles for the 90s. So, um, and we're going to pass our 100th episode in here somewhere. Uh, 100th episode. I don't know gosh. where it is. I have to figure it out, and I won't know until we figure out how many times we're going to talk about golden years, I guess. Uh, but yeah, we are coming up on our 100th somewhere in October, November. Probably mid-stand would be my guest. Uh which is exciting, right. and I don't know if we're going to do anything for it or just do a regular episode. I don't know. We should wear party hats. Oh, okay. We can do that. Bring back the dinosaurs. I have my dinosaur in my closet. So that's what's coming up. We are bringing 1990 to a close with our second part of It, and next week we will be talking about Sometimes They Come Back, which currently is streaming on Amazon Prime, oh, wow. okay. if you have Amazon Prime. So that's how we're going to be watching it. Also, I don't know. This was in Night Shift. That's what I know about it. Okay. I haven't read Night Shift since I was single digits. Wow. Which, y'all... Not a great idea. Don't. No. Don't do that. I think I was nine when I read mm-hmm. Night Shift, the book, which is why I didn't really remember Graveyard Shift, and I definitely don't remember this one. Maybe I'll dig it up. I've got a copy of it, so maybe I'll read some. Probably not. We'll see. Uh... In the meantime, do you have anything you need to recommend, want to recommend? Have you watched anything in the last no, I've watched hours? It, part two, <laughs> since the last time we, we've spoken, so no, I can't say that I do necessarily. I will recommend, and this is a trepidatious recommend, because it's probably not as good as my little heart thought it was when I was little, watching Tim Curry and Legend. I think that movie is beautiful. Uh. Uh, Mia Sarah is lovely in it. She's Tom Cruise is also lovely in it. He's so beautiful and angelic looking. It's like his first or second thing. He's a child. Wow. He's like 17 or something like that. He looks like a child now, but he really looked like a child then. And Tim Curry is darkness in all of the prosthetics. And we were uh, discussing uh, earlier when we had to take a break how... Uh, even though this was five years later, yeah. he had been, uh, he really had been... Uh, traumatized, effectively. Traumatized, effectively, yes. Uh, because it was a three to five hour application process every uh. day, followed at the end of the day by an hour bath to start being able to take those prosthetics so, off. So to weaken the adhesives that were being used. Including, part. I would assume, being dunked under a lot because a lot of that adhesive right. was on his was, face. It was a full body adhesive. Right. So he had, yeah, appliances over all of right. his body. Excuse it me, full looks body appliances, yes. incredible. Uh-huh. It looks incredible. So, And the makeup team on Legend is twice the length of the cast on Legend. Right. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. It's probably not a good movie, y'all. But... It visually will be a beautiful. Really movie. It's I, beautiful. I don't remember... I remember seeing it too late. Yeah, that feels right. It was on when I was in high school. I, I think, think I saw it when I was 10 for the first and time. And so I, uh, I saw it as an... You know, older. I was as an adult. And I just was like... People are saying the most, it's beautiful to look at, but people are saying the most inane things, like the dumbest dialogue. I mean, it's not, it's written almost like a parable, almost Mm -hmm. like you're watching a very, very prime, 
primordial almost mm-hmm. fairy tale right. before fairy tales even knew what they were. Right. And the dialogue, I'm going to say the dialogue fits on 20 pages. Probably. And it's like an 82-minute long movie, mm-hmm. too. It's not very long, but the dialogue is extraordinarily sparse. Yeah. Uh, because it is just a fairy tale. But, like, the barest sketch of a fairy yeah. tale, right? Like, that's what it is. It's a, it, And I think it's a really interesting concept. And, like I said, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, it is. Um, and there are some very scary some type great makeup things stuff. There's and the makeup witches is and demons gorgeous. and yeah yeah. So fairies, many many fairies, and a unicorn, mm. two unicorns. So that's what I'm saying. Check out Legend, and then check out Willow. What the hell? <laughs> I love Willow. All right. So that brings us to the end. Uh, reach out. Let us know what you think of it, and if I'm just way off base with Tim Curry. Uh, once again, I love Tim Curry. I'm not scared of Tim Curry. I'm scared of Bill Sarsgaard. Uh, you can reach us on Gmail at latecomerspod on Gmail at no at latecomerspod at gmail.com. on Twitter at latecomerspod uh, on Facebook latecomerspodcast. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you, better Better late late than than never. never.